Welcome to the Home Inspector Marketing Podcast. Because you're a home inspector looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line, you are in the right place. For additional training resources on how you can grow your home inspection business, go to microreturns.com right now. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, this is Mike Crow, and I run a home inspection business. In fact, I've run a couple of home inspection businesses. The true joy for me, though, has been helping literally thousands of home inspectors build really solid home inspection businesses as well. We can help a single man operation be able to do over $300,000 a year, maybe all the way up to $400,000 a year as a single inspector operation. Even better for me is the 80 plus companies that we have helped be able to build million dollar home inspection businesses. I would like to help you be able to do the same thing. Welcome back to part two of 10 things I learned while building a business. If you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen. All right, John, this is one of my favorites. Go ahead. Yes, and this comes directly from Mike. Everything takes twice as long as you think and is twice as expensive and you get half the results. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and Bill, you and I are working through this insurance thing, you know, with the licensing and everything. How long did it take us to get our license? Incredibly, ridiculously long. And then how long did it take me to go get my fingerprints done? Okay, you know, I had to go twice or three times because, you know, of different things. And then you're waiting on the state to give you something, right? And then you're waiting on this. And then people tell you, oh, money will start coming in here. It hasn't yet, okay? And so everything takes twice as long, costs twice as much, okay? And you get about half the results you want. Now, I have been told that, Mike, this is true for you, true for Mike, because I'm an uber optimist, <laughs> okay? I expect things to go right. I expect things to work. I expect things to produce. I expect, you know, and I will tell you, I'd much rather have expectations of things going right instead of people walking around uh, saying, oh, here's what could go wrong, all right? Um, most of you guys all know I bought myself this incredible new vehicle. It, it's like my, uh, it's like my midlife crisis. It's, it's like my post midlife crisis vehicle. All right, my midlife crisis vehicle was my Mustang. Okay, and it was a Mustang convertible. It was an incredible car. I had a lot of fun with it. My midlife crisis is a van that carries eight people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but it has Sirius radio, and I've been waiting for Sirius XM radio for I can't even tell you how long. And one of the reasons is because every time I would go visit somewhere and I would get a rent car that had Sirius XM radio, I would start pumping it through, and I found this guy who I'd seen and who I'd heard about, Joel Osteen. Okay, and I will tell you that guy is incredibly motivating. So now almost every day, he is like channel number one on my XM radio. And I listen to him and he has this silly little joke he tells at the beginning of every sermon. He has a pattern, he has a system. Uh, you could almost write down his principles if you listen to enough of his presentations, okay? But he talks about how people sometimes are optimist and some people are, are pessimist. And, and here's the truth is optimists have an incredible opportunity above other people. That was not quite the right word, but opportunity because they just, they see the opportunity more than pessimists. I was reading through something the other day and it may have come from the book, um, 
trying to remember where it came from. I think it actually came off of TikTok, believe it or not. And this was guy who was saying, so in college, we got all these graduates to do something. And we said, hey, we'll give you $100. And all we need you to do is take a look at 30 pages of the New York Times and do something for us. And so they signed up all these graduate students. He said, the first thing you learn is the, the test is never what they tell you it is, <laughs> okay? It's never what they tell you it is. And he said, so here's the test, guys. And he said, one is they gave him a whole series of things, but one of the questions in there was, do you think you're lucky or do you think you're unlucky? Okay. Or do you think you're not lucky? Okay. And the vast majority of people uh, said they didn't think they were lucky. Okay. They didn't say they were unlucky, but they're not lucky. All right. So I will tell you, I go around and one of my crow principles to some degree is that I'm just damn lucky. I get lucky all the time. When I'm sitting at the poker table and somebody goes, golly, I cannot believe you pulled that card. And I go, you know, sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. You know, I just, I just, I am lucky. All right. So here's the test. They're reading through 30 pages of the New York Times, right? And he says, I want you to count the number of headlines and I want you to count the number of pictures. And if you get that right, then we will give you a hundred dollars. All right. And so everybody sits down and they start reading and start taking a look at it. Now, inside that 30 pages is this little ad that runs down the side. And it says, if you're reading this ad and you're reading it pretty much in the entirety, then you will know that all you have to do is now say, I saw this ad and bring it up to me and I'll give you your $100 and you don't have to count the headlines and you don't have to count the pictures. 80% of the people that said they were lucky caught that ad. Hardly anybody, hardly anybody, I'm not sure anybody that said they were unlucky caught the ad. And he said the conclusion to some degree that we derived from this is that people that are optimistic, people that, are, that feel like they're lucky, part of the reason they're lucky is because they're more observant. They're taking a bigger picture than most people. Now, you've all seen the, where the gorilla walks through the middle, you know, bouncing the ball and everything. And people are saying, look at the white jerseys and tell me how many times the white jerseys bounce the ball. And while you're counting that, the gorilla walks through and you don't even see it. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't see the stupid gorilla the first time either, okay? What an effective learning tool, though, that tells you you need to be more observant to the whole process sometimes. Cool. What's next, John? Number seven, listening is your secret weapon for marketing, sales, and service, which by the way, we all consider subsets of service because in each of those phases, marketing, sales, and service, we're looking to bring value to the people that we're interacting with. A good example of this would be, are you looking for exactly how you can bring value to your mavens? Well, then if you ask them the right questions and listen to what they say, they will tell you specifically how you can step in and serve them and bring them value. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet this just a little bit because I'm Mike, okay? Uh, listening is your secret weapon for marketing, sales, and service, which, by the way, it's all marketing, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because the service we deliver, we're marketing the service we deliver. It's all marketing to me. And, John, I'm, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that at all, okay? No, no, and, and what we're talking about may be more of a, a philosophy yeah, depending see, on how you see I, it. 
I think Barbara Cochran, if she read this, she'd go, listening is your secret weapon for marketing, sales, and service, which, by the way, it's all sales. Sales, okay? yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I guarantee you, she would say it, but she would emphasize it. And here's a secret. We all have this tendency to become really good at one thing, and we think that one thing is what not only defines us, but creates our success. And if my one thing is, I told people, if you cut me open, I bleed marketing all over the place, okay? Jen, you wanna add something? I just wanna add where the, the background or the perspective behind that philosophy that we came up with, that, that everything is service. Because that came out of the coaching world where a lot of people, when they first start, they struggle with the concept of sales. They struggle with the concept of selling. They struggle with the concept of marketing. They don't want to self-promote. They just want to help people. They just want to serve people. So that framework all came from the place of like, people want to serve others. Yep. And so that's why Barbara Corcoran, it would be sales because the truth is that even when you're coaching somebody, you're still selling <laughs> when you're like, you're still selling. And the truth is you're still marketing because you're still moving them to a place where they're ready to take the next step. So exactly what you said, Mike, it's all the same thing, regardless of the frame you look at it, but the intention of the quote behind it is to make people feel comfortable with showing up. Yep, absolutely. And John, thank you for sharing that. Number eight, John. If you want to build a real business and not just a job, you have to build a team. And then I, I think about the concept that we talk about a lot around the office, which is future banking. So what can we invest now to get more time and money later? And, and this is one of the biggest, it's one of the biggest challenges. And I'm going to tell you that in the beginning, I thought nobody could do it as good as me either. And then I watched Jen run the coaching call this morning and I'm sitting there going, damn, that was pretty good. I'm not sure I would have said that or that, okay? And then I watched Jonathan give a presentation to a group of real estate agents and he's doing all this stuff and I go, wow, okay? And I don't know about you, Bill, uh, but I go out on a home inspection and Chris, I'm betting you go out on them even more frequently than I do or Bill probably combined. And I'm watching one of our inspectors that's been with us 10 years and he crushes it. He catches things I would have never seen. He, he writes it up really well. He, he pulls the customer aside. The home buyer side does a great job with it, okay? But honestly, 95% of people will never know how to grow a team, okay? They think they do, but they don't, okay? And that's what makes this group of people different more than anything else is they know how to grow a team, how to encourage a team, how to inspire a team, how to help a team prioritize, have, have a team literally do what they are supposed to do, whether it's sales or service or marketing or admin, okay? And so what you guys don't know is in between the coaching call this morning and in between this call, I had what we called a freeze frame meeting. I hate freeze frame meetings, okay? Because I always piss somebody off because freeze frame meeting is where I have to ask the tough questions that nobody really wants to answer. Like, why did we spend money here? Why is the money here? Where does that money come from? Where did it go to? You know, all those meetings. And so freeze frame is something I created years ago to be able to once a week, like take a snapshot in time and tell me where all the money is, okay? And kind of like what John said, future banking. I want to know where the money's coming from next week, next month, six months from now. And I'm going to tell you, future banking is probably, it's a term I started using, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago. But when I started coaching people, it is one of the most powerful terms. In fact, a crow principle would be, Mike, 
wants you to understand how powerful future banking is because the 95%, they're banking the paycheck this week, okay? I'm banking the paycheck 20 years from now. Think about that. I'm banking my paychecks 20 years from now. I will tell you that one of the reasons I sold MIC was so I could spend more time with my dad. And you know, my dad called me yesterday morning, said, Mike, what are you doing today? And you know what I got to say? Nothing, dad, what do you wanna do? What's on your mind? And he said, hey, I got a proposition for you. I I'm gonna come out and see you. I said, well, dad, I borrowed his truck recently because Krista's moving. I said, I, can, I was gonna bring your truck back and I was gonna ask Jonathan if he could come with me and, and bring me back home or I'll catch an Uber home. And he said, yeah, that'd be great. So I went out and dad's proposition was he wanted to buy me lunch for my birthday, okay? And I got to have time with my dad but I got to have time with my dad because I believe in future banking, okay? I've been future banking my time for the last 20 years, okay? So there's money, time, all of that. John, number nine. Number nine, every roadblock you face along the way to your dream, every pitfall, every hardship, every problem you solve, and every experience you have as part of that journey is increasing your power to impact the people you serve. And Jen, I think, had a... Uh, an interesting way sort of to, to summarize that as far as that statement on about advice. Sure, yeah, I mean, I don't remember if this is exactly what you're asking for, John, but oh, just yeah. that people want, they don't want advice, but they want your experience. Yeah, and, and guys, when Jen talked about that earlier today, I wrote in the notes uh, for the coaches, I wrote in there accountability, and I created a new word just today. It's an old word that I created today, and it's accountability versus focusability, okay? Because I teach people when you're coaching, I don't want accountability. I don't need your thinking accountability, okay? What I need is your help to focus on what I'm trying to get done and, and how to get it done, maybe why to get it done, okay? I don't need you beating me up going, did you get it done? Did you get it done? Did you get it done? You know, I don't need another six-year-old sitting in the back of the seat going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Okay. I want somebody going, sitting next to me going, hey, if we take a, a left at this next exit, okay, it's a left-hand exit, we're going to hit this interstate and it's going to take us here. That's what I want. And so when John talked about this, I thought it was incredible. Um, and the other thing that I got out of this was I've been very, very fortunate in my life. I've never had a bankruptcy. I'm not divorced. I have four amazing kids. But I will tell you that, you know, all of us hit these roadblocks but these roadblocks help prepare us to be able to help other people be able to overcome some of those, okay? And it's incredibly impactful. Remember, your job is not really accountability as much as it is focusability, okay? How are you helping your people stay focused on what needs to get done today? And if they didn't get it done today, well, something stopped them. What roadblock did they run into that needs to get shifted, move sideways, up, down, buried, you know, so that they can get done what they need to get done. John, number 10. You have to stop and take a moment to celebrate wins, even the small ones. So com completion of projects or business successes, positive things in your personal life. Uh, and this is really important to help you maintain positive perspective when you have those days where you feel like all you're doing is putting out fires or you're just caught up in the whirlwind and you can't zoom out to see the bird's eye view of the impact that you're making. Yeah, and John, you have a uh, kind of a bonus one here. And by the way, before he gets to the bonus one, guys, I celebrate wins every single day in one way or another. Now, sometimes I'm future banking my wins. Like 
I have been counting on going on this Disney trip for a month now, okay? <laughs> so every day, that's like a future win. So Jonathan and I went out on Amazon and we bought ourselves t-shirts, a different t-shirt for each park different days, okay? So we're going to Magic Kingdom and they have Liberty Square there. And since Hamilton is now a Disney uh, product or whatever, because they bought it and we watched it as a family and everything, I got a t-shirt that says, I'm not throwing away my shot, okay? Which is a great line in the movie if you get a chance to watch it. And Jonathan went uh, Burr shot first and then it's Hamilton shot first. And then it says on there, he says, I don't care what you heard, it's Jefferson. Jefferson is, is lying, okay? <laughs> so it's another great line of the movie. But, you know, we went out and a little win was we ordered T-shirts for the trip, okay? John, your bonus here, and then we're going to run the question around the table. Sure thing. So gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. I know we all want to work with mavens and vendors and clients and employees that express gratitude, and I just think Every day is an opportunity for us to actually embrace that, live it out, and also model gratitude for others. And hopefully that becomes a magnet that draws the people around you into a spirit of gratitude as well. Heck yeah. The more grateful you are, you'll find out the more grateful people around you will be. And I will tell you that this, is one of the, this has been one of the most difficult things in my last year. If I have somebody around me that every day they're ungrateful, I eliminate them from my world. Okay. And it's painful. It's painful eliminating. We had this most amazing, wonderful lady at the office. She planted flowers. She did all this great stuff. She organized stuff. And every single day she complained about something. Okay. She complained about her apartment. She complained about the maintenance man. She complained about the neighbor. She complained about, and I, and I said, is your maintenance man here right now? She went, no. I said, then don't bring him to my office. Okay. And we tried, Jen and I both tried. And by the way, uh, we've had some people come in and leave and they go, this place is a damn cult. Okay. You guys are like, you know, you you just are not realistic. You, you just don't want to see the reality in the world anymore. And I'm going, yeah, it may be true. <laughs> you know, maybe true. Which by the way, my dad even gave me that line yesterday. He said, son, one of the best lines I ever learned from you, when people tell you a piece of garbage and you don't really want to argue with them, you simply say, eh, you might be right you know, and just let it go. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. And as a friendly reminder, if you're looking to increase your sales, improve your cash flow, and boost your bottom line as a home inspector, go to microreturns.com right now.